Lord, as you've come to bless the Lord, let's lift the Lord up today. Lord, we bless you in this place. Lord, we long for you to have your way. Not just so, God. Put our hands together.
to bless, to heal, and to receive your praise, to receive your worship. For you alone are worthy, O God. Let me bless you. We magnify you. We glorify you, O Lord Jesus. Thank you for your touch, for your presence, for your promises to us. Let's worship the Lord, church. like that.
Hallelujah. Continue to worship as you're seated. Does anybody in the house know he's a way maker? I'm trying one more time. Does anybody in the house know he's a way maker? Amen. Hallelujah. There we go. I love it. I love it. All right. I want to get right into the word this morning. I'm going to welcome you to Gapfield Church of God. If it's your first time here, don't be alarmed. You'll probably leave scared to death by the time you see me jumping and hollering around. All right. I'm excited about Jesus. What can I say? If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Mark, chapter 8, I want to give you a quick synopsis on what we have talked about, or a recap, rather, on what we've spoken about in our series, Don't You Understand Yet? Um, but I want to read the scripture first, and then for you that have not been here, you'll be able to catch up with us in a brief manner. Uh, let's go to verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, demanding of him a sign from heaven to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, Jesus said, Why does this generation demand a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, he got back into the boat, and went to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to take bread and had only one loaf with them in the boat. And then he gave them strict orders. Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They were discussing among themselves that they did not have any bread. Aware of this, he said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Don't you understand? Don't you comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of leftovers did you collect? Twelve, they told him. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you collect? Seven, they said. And he said to them, don't you understand yet? Our first sermon in a quick synopsis was beware of the leaven. The leaven of the Pharisees was an legalistic emphasis on religious rules and regulations. We talked about the leaven of Herod, which was a philosophy of worldliness. We discussed at length the, the trouble with the seeker-sensitive church. Our second sermon was eyes that cannot see. We dealt with spiritual blindness and how the enemy can deceive us and bring about blurry vision, yes, even in the lives of believers, through circumstances, through issues, through this thing we called life. He can cause us to not see clearly that God has a plan for us and that God is working everything out for our good. In our third sermon, we talked about ears that cannot hear, and we dealt with spiritual deafness. Revelation chapter 3 deals with seven different churches of Asia Minor. There are seven different churches with seven very distinct messages from the Lord. However, we discussed there is one thing that was clear that, that God said to John. Jesus said, make this absolutely clear. Let anyone who has ears, ears to hear, and I asked how many of us have ears. We determined that all of us did. The point being that God has created us all with ears. The point is he has given us these ears so that we could hear. The next word that he used, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. So I said, hold up. 
so you can hear it, but God wants you to actually listen to what you are hearing, to what the Spirit is saying to us and to the churches. But today in the close of this particular series, we are going to deal with the fact that Jesus says to his disciples, don't you understand or comprehend it? And do you not remember? So today's sermon is entitled, How Easy We Forget. Our main talking point today is spiritual amnesia. We've got spiritual blindness. We've got spiritual deafness. Now we have spiritual amnesia. The word amnesia by definition in medical terms means a partial or temporary loss of memory recollection. How easy we forget. Have you ever forgotten something? Anybody forget something this morning? I did too. That's why if you were to tell me today, Pastor Alba, can we meet Wednesday? The first thing I'm going to do is pull up my phone and I'm going to say, Hey Siri, and I shouldn't have said that because now she's going to go crazy all over the house. And I tell her, I need you to set me an appointment for such and such date, such and such time. Because if I don't do that, before I walk out the church doors, I promise you, I have totally forgotten it. Well, preacher, grabbing your cell phone's rude when you're talking to people. I figured it may be, but it's probably ruder if I tell them I'm going to show up tomorrow and I don't show up. So I taught the Siri. My best friend remembers absolutely everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. We're riding down the road one day in our little town where I grew up, to which he says to me, hey, that's where that J.C. Penney was in 1932. You see that little building? You remember that? that uh... And I'm like, you weren't alive. Your mama wasn't alive. Your daddy wasn't alive. I don't even know if your grandparents were alive. Where do you get this information from? He will constantly tell me stories of things that we did together when we were younger. The other day I got a text from him and I opened up the text and it's a, a tall, slender boy with a guitar with big ears and glasses on. <laughs> to which he says, do you remember that baptism service? And I was like, yes, uh, I did not want, that's the part of my life I wanted to forget was that I was a geek. Thank you for reminding me because I tried to put that behind me. But he'll say, don't you remember that, Jimmy? Don't you remember this, Jimmy? Don't you? Until finally I just say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea what he's talking about. I've long forgotten it. That is the hardcore truth. Today, it really doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Forgetting is a thing. A matter of fact, I am convinced that some of you older folks in this building today can remember stuff better than I can at times. This is not an age issue. But today I want to go from a spiritual aspect and I want us to deal with the fact that there are some things as Christians and followers of Christ that we must never forget. Regardless of what life brings our way, regardless of things that we deal with, I'm going to break this down and end this sermon series today with three simple points. Are you ready for the word today? So if you're taking notes or if you're just one of those people that can remember everything like my best friend, you won't have to take notes. Point number one, never forget your identity. 
Your identity is who you are. Do you know that we have to be careful that we aren't arrogant in who we are? There is a huge difference in arrogance and confidence. Sometimes it appears to be a really fine line between the two. Sometimes we kind of straddle the fence between our arrogance and confidence. And so we have to be careful with that. They both have many similarities such as self-assurance and belief in one's abilities. But they differ significantly in several areas. Underlying attitudes, behaviors, and yes, even effects on our relationships. When I say the word arrogance, by definition, it means self-conceit. It means to be egotistical. Nobody can do it like me. Nobody's as good as me. That is what arrogance is. But when we look up the word confidence, it means trust. It means faith. It means belief. Now, as you can tell, the word arrogance has worldly titles, so to speak, or definitions. While we could take the word confidence, and it sounds pretty spiritual over here, right? Another definition, as you look down through Webster's, whom I love using, in, the, in Webster's dictionary, it goes on down. It says another word for the word confidence or meaning means reliance. Arrogance doesn't need anybody else, but confidence knows it does. So you can be confident in who you are. You can be confident, grab this, in your abilities, in your giftings, in your talents, yet understand your need for reliance from a higher power. God has gifted, listen to me, everybody in this building, you have giftings. Whether you want to accept them or not, you are gifted by God with some things that nobody else has. It is why he called it the body of Christ because we are so unique with these variety of talents and giftings. I have strong areas, but I also have weak areas. I know what my strengths are. I also am well aware, too aware of my weaknesses. But we cannot afford to gain a spirit of arrogance over who we think we are. I am nothing without Jesus today. You are nothing without Jesus today. My confidence does not come from what I am able to do on my own. If it's about what I think I am able to do, then I have arrogance and egotistical ways in my life. My confidence comes from my trust, my faith, and my belief, and my reliance in Jesus and what he is able to do with my gifts and my talents and my abilities. With arrogance, I feel superior to other people. I don't mind b belittling other people. That sounds a lot like the leaven of the Pharisees there. I just want to throw that in there. But with confidence, I respect other people. I don't need to devalue you to make myself feel validated. I do not have to demean you and make you feel less than inferior to me so that I can feel superior in order to be validated. With arrogance, I don't need your opinion. As a matter of fact, I don't care about your opinion because my opinion is better than your opinion. That's arrogance. 
But confidence, on the other hand, I value constructive criticism and actually I can grow from it. With arrogance, I don't think I can be replaced. Oh, but with confidence, I know I can be replaced. I am not the only person in the world that can do what I do. So we have to get a basis. We cannot forget our identity. In Proverbs 16, he said, Pride goes before destruction and a holy spirit goes before a fall. In other words, arrogance will make you fall flat on your face. But look at David in Psalm 27. He said, the Lord. What's the first two words? The Lord. He started off with him. He said, the Lord is my light. Go ahead and cut on my timer if you don't mind back there. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Are you watching this? The Lord is the stronghold. He holds everything together in my life. David said, of whom shall I be afraid? This is not arrogance. This is confidence in the Lord that he serves. Watch this. He says, when the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who are going to stumble and fall. That's confidence right there. He said, though an army besiege me, my gosh, I've got one man that's fixing to go against an army now. Do you see what can happen in your life when you push aside arrogance and who you are and your own conceit and you begin to rely on the trust and confidence of Jesus Christ in your life and the power that he brings into your life to be able to do things? David said that when an army comes against me, he said, my heart will not fear. Though war is breaking out against me, even then will I be confident. Jesus is telling his disciples, don't you start acting like those arrogant Pharisees. And you stop worrying about what you can do with one loaf of bread. You just need to remember what I can do with a loaf of bread. And you just be confident in that fact. Woo! That's enough to want to shout hallelujah. I'll use your talents. I'll use your... I'll use you to spread the bread. But first let me bless the bread. Never forget who you are in Christ. Secondly, never forget your purpose. You've got these giftings. You've got these talents. Purpose simply means in simple layman terms, your purpose is why you exist. It is why you are here. It is why you have the gifts that you have. It is why you have the ability and the talents that you have. With confidence in God, never forget your purpose is why you're here. See, the disciples have forgotten their true purpose. Now, I'm talking about the early days, way before this, when Jesus first called them. And I've got to take time to read it. Go ahead, Javen. Let's go to Mark chapter 6 and verse 7 here. Now, now our text is Mark chapter 8. How many of you know that 6 comes before 8? Let me get a swallow of water while some of y'all still process that. This is chapter 6, not chapter 8. Calling the twelve to him, Jesus said, He began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over impure, unclean spirits. You ready for this? Verse 8. I love it. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except the staff. Anybody want to read the next two words for me? No bread. 
Jesus had my point. Jesus had told them from the very beginning when they first started following him, don't worry about bread. But in my text, the issue is, I hope you Facebook viewers just scream bread from your couch. You were supposed to. So I want you to understand something. You thought you were the only one that loved to eat. The disciples did too. They loved their bread. Just like we love our pizza. No bag. No money in your belt. There'll come a day that you're going to need to take up an offering. But get them saved first. Verse 9, you wear sandals but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, you stay there until you leave. If any place will not welcome you or what or listen to you, that means if they have ears but they will not hear, you leave that place and as a, as a symbol that they wouldn't obey or listen to the words of the Lord, you shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Amen. What did they go do? They forgot about bread, they forgot about belts, they forgot about all the other stuff, and they went out and preached that people should repent, get saved. They went and drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. It got the city in such an uproar. Revival broke out so much so that King Herod thought that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. But little did he know that one greater than John the Baptist was here and that Jesus was raising up men and women, teaching them how to walk in the anointing and the power of God. Men and women that knew their purpose and why they were here. Let me keep it simple for you as I hurry along. Our church does not exist to see what kind of name we can build for ourselves. Our church does not exist so others can ride by and ooh and ah at our properties. When we are the church that Jesus called us to be, our mission will remain simple. It will be preach Jesus Christ, the truth, and Him crucified. Cast out devils in His name. Lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. Our mission is not about building an earthly kingdom that is one day going to fade away. Like the original 12, our job is to build the kingdom of God and show the world it is not our abilities that matter. It is the fact that we serve a God that we have confidence in that is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything that we could ever dream possible. Somebody give him praise in the house. Point number three, never forget who it is that you serve. This is my closing point. Never forget who it is that you, how easy we forget. In Isaiah 46, 8 through 9, he said, remember this. Keep it in your mind. Take it to your heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other like me. I am God. There is none like me. In Psalm 106, God says to his people Israel, he says, I delivered you from Egypt. I delivered you from the hand of Pharaoh. While plagues were falling on the Egyptians, you were protected. When the death angel passed over, the whole house of Pharaoh was crying because the firstborn had died. But oh, not in your house. When he saw the blood, he passed over you. I delivered you from all of that. I parted the biggest sea around that area. The Red Sea, 1,200 miles long 
And the width at its widest point is 190 miles. Can everybody process that for a minute? That's like going through six mile what? Like 3,000 times. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even know. That's a long ways. But these guys walked across it. I don't know how wide it was at the point that they went, but it was not just a skipping and jump. When we think of walking on dry ground, it wasn't just starting where Gene is and going to the back door. This is a wide place. And God said, I parted it for you in Psalm 106. He said, not only did I part it for you, your feet never got wet. It wasn't soggy. It wasn't muddy. He said, you walked across on dry ground and then to top it off on either side of you, there was humongous waves on both sides of you. I carried you through the wilderness, he told them. Your clothes and your shoes, you never outgrew them. They literally grew with you. My God, I feel it. I gave you water from rocks, for goodness sakes. I fed you manna from heaven. I even dropped it at the front door of your tents. And when you got up in the morning, your food was waiting for you and your kids. But this is what your Bible says, and I quote it to you. Quote, they soon forgot his works. How easy we forget. Is there a methodology, a method of remembrance that God would have us to employ in our lives? My answer is yes, a hundred times yes. And I'm going to show them to you really quickly. I'm going to give you a three-step method of remembrance. Number one, first, remember the works of God from Scripture. That means open up your Bible. This is who you serve. It is the God of the pages from Genesis to Revelation. And I could go through and I could preach for two hours just on what God has done for us in Scripture, even longer than that. But Israel's deliverance from Egypt and all the things I just mentioned. Joshua's triumph of the greatest city walls in Jericho that came tumbling down. The wonders of Christ that are revealed just in the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John told us that if we were to take... He said, I suppose that if all the miracles of Jesus were to be written in books that the entire world could not even contain everything he did Woo, that's powerful isn't it the miracles of Jesus I mean we could go on and on so when you forget who he is I need you to open up your Bible and see the works of God that are inside of the scriptures secondly I need you to remember God's wonders through the testimony of fellow Believers of fellow Christians. If God has worked on behalf of others in the family of God, He is no respecter of persons. He will work for you too. <laughs> I was sitting there the other day and I, I, I can't get over it, David. I, David Monroe back there, I, I was uh, thinking when I was writing my sermon, I said, Man, I remember going to that hospital. I didn't, I didn't, we didn't know you were going to have no stroke. That came out the blue, didn't it? I remember walking in that hospital and I thought to myself, this is a dead man right here. It didn't look good. Doctor's reports aren't good. But look at the God that we serve. My point is, he ain't lost a bit of brain fun. I think he's smarter now than he's ever been. He remembers better than I do. What I'm telling you, God works miracles. I walked in that hospital with little Adley Jane the other day. I think to myself, I'm going to go in here. This poor, I've seen people. I've seen people had open heart surgery. It's a horrible sight. 
I mean, you got all kinds of tubes down here and everything else. I don't know what I'm walking into. When I get there, she ain't got a tube the first in her. I mean, a few in her body here, but not in her throat. They've gotten her off all that mess. And she's laying in the bed. They've just given her pain medicine, which most of you know is going to knock you out and you're going to sleep for the rest of the day. And while I'm sitting there, she opens her eyes and looks at me. I get to talk to her and she was in awe and I kind of grab her cheek. Hey, baby, how you doing? You know how it is. How adults act around babies, we act dumb sometimes. And they can't help but grin and she's grinning and she's happy. And then she tries to flip over the side of the bed. And you're saying, what a mighty God that I serve. I, I, I thought of Colin Cowley, and I, I could tell testimony after testimony, but they came to my office. You remember, guys, oh, it didn't look like a baby was on the way, but guess what? Today there's a beautiful baby girl in her hands right now sitting on that pew. What I'm telling you is when you forget who God is, sometimes you may need to go to a fellow believer and say, I need you to tell me that God did it for you so that I can believe that God can do it for me. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? We all have a testimony folks every one of you I, you could tell your story too so guess what I'm telling you share it tell somebody about it so they won't forget that we serve a God of wonders a God that does things and after he does them we sit there and just scratch our head because we know it doesn't make sense it had to be God there's just no other explanation for it science can't explain it. Logic can't explain it because it just doesn't make any sense. That's when you know it's God. Can you say amen today? <laughs> Thirdly, remember God's wonders from your past. Recall them now. At this very moment, in this very service, I want you to recall to memory and to recollection the wonders the awe of God when he came through for you in your past. Have a David moment that was standing there with a, a jittering head taller than everybody else. King Saul, he's stressing out over a giant named Goliath. He's hiding in his tent saying, oh my God, what are we going to do? And this little 17-year-old boy comes out. And he begins to tell a story to Saul of his past. And he says, I need to let you know something, Saul, because Saul's already... Saul's already said he's defeated. He's a man of war. You're just a shepherd boy. You can't do anything with this guy. Saul's already talked him into defeat. The soldiers aren't, haven't got his back. His brothers have already told him all you've come to do is watch the battle. All he's been is mocked and ridiculed and picked at and bullied. But that 17-year-old boy looked at Saul who's jittery and nervous and shaky. And he said, one day I was in the field with my sheep and there came out a bear. And, and that bear was going was to eat my sheep. But the power of God came on me and, oh, your servant ripped that bear into. Oh, and another day a, a lion came out. And when he came out, he actually had the sheep in his mouth. But the power of God came on me and I ripped that lion into. And the same God that did that for me is the same God that's about to give me the head of this giant are you hearing what I'm telling you today the same God is able to deliver me from this giant and guess what that's exactly what God did for David he walked back into the camp with the giant's head in his hand shouting victory is mine you recall wonders from your past when you leave this place today relive them again don't you dare be like the disciples and have eyes that cannot see. Don't you dare have ears that cannot hear. Don't you leave yet another service.
service hopeless and feeling helpless. You leave this place today knowing that God is still in control of everything in your life. You leave this place today knowing that God has a plan for your future. But to get to your future, it's essential that you replay God's wonders from the past. And when you remember God's wonders, you will realize that Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, will display his mighty power yet again in your life. If he did it before, he can do it again. I was reading a story yesterday. His name's Samson. You know the story of him. He's the guy that has long hair. His strength is actually in his hair. Samson strayed from God. His father tried his best to warn him. He said, stay away from that woman, not just because she was a woman, but because she was from a from a pagan nation. He said, you don't belong with her. Stay away from her. He had ears. He heard what his daddy said. He just didn't listen. Ears that cannot hear. He soon forgets what daddy said. He goes into her house and the rest is history. You know the story. He lost his power because of that woman and she finally cut his, head off, or cut his hair off of his head. When the power of God came on Samson, though, he, he did fail, but he experienced some unreal stuff with God. When the power of God came upon him, he would literally rip down gates to the city that estimate some say around a thousand pounds and would carry them on his shoulders up the hill. That's a man's man. Samson, poor foxes. I'm going to say that. Peter, are they around here? Anybody? <laughs> He would take those foxes, tie their tails together. He would set them on fire and burn the barley fields of the enemy with foxes. One day he's fighting and all that he sees is an old donkey that had died, but there's a jawbone there. He picks up the jawbone of a donkey and killed 1,000 men. But Samson strayed. He failed God. But on the day of his death, he had to recall his past in order to be used by God in a greater way than he ever dreamed possible. Look at, at Judges 16. i got to hurry. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. Lord, I haven't forgotten what you did for me in the past. And I'm going to hurry through. He takes his hand in verse 29. He puts them against the pillars. In verse 30, he prays, let me die with the Philistine. He pushes them over. He killed more people when he died than he had done in his entire lifetime. 3,000 people died because Samson remembered who it was that he served. Yes, even at the end, he remembered. And I want to tell some of you today, you may think it's the end, but I have come to tell you that your ending is going to be better and greater than your beginning. If you could just muster up the strength to remember some of the things that Satan has tried the lone block from your memory because of trouble, because of circumstances. Satan has tried to make you forget, but you need to know God hasn't forgotten you, but I'm afraid at times that we have forgotten him and what he is capable of doing in our lives. There is one final obligation that comes from Psalm 78 to God's people. Those who have witnessed the drama of God's wonders are under a divine mandate to communicate this information to the next generation. Look at Psalm 78. i got to read it. My people, hear. You got ears? Hear my instruction. Listen to the words of my mouth. I'll declare wise sayings. I'm going to speak mysteries from the past. Things we have heard and we have known and that our ancestors have passed down to us. Look at verse 4. This is powerful. We will not hide them from their children, but will tell a future generation. Are y'all ready? It is not just about you. 
it's about them. We will tell a future generation the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, His might, and the wondrous works He has performed. He established a testimony in Jacob. He set up a law in Israel which He commanded our ancestors to teach their children. Verse 6. So that a future generation... Are y'all ready for this? We're worried about what, what we're going to do that's going to affect next week. This is what God said. Children that are yet to be born... God's looking into the future way further than we are. We make decisions based on us. Well, how's it going to affect us? And God's saying, how's it going to affect the next generation that's not even in their mama's womb yet? Woo! Mm, don't, don't get me going. That, that's, a, that's another sermon series. All right, let's go. He says that they might know. They were to rise and tell their children so that they might put their what in God? Their confidence in God and not forget God's works but keep His command. Did you notice verse 7? When we share the testimony of God's wonders to the next generation, it helps them put their confidence not in themselves, but if they put their confidence in God just like we did. And they recognize who it is that, that we used to serve. And it's the same God that they serve. Amen. Pass it down to your children. In closing, go to verse 18 of my text. Let's go back there. Jesus asked his disciples, I'm going to wrap this series up right here. Do you have hardened hearts? Have you seen me do so many miracles that it doesn't move you anymore? Have you seen me do so many miracles that when I lay hands on a sick man, a blind eye recovers and it doesn't excite you anymore? Have you become numb to the wonders of God? Let me give you an example. How many times have you went to eat and said, oh my gosh, forgive me, Jesus, at the end of it. You're like, that was really good, but thank you for giving it to me. You know why? Because you forgot to say your grace. Anybody? Anybody want to confess right now? I'll confess. Two hands. I've done it. And I get finished. Well, Lord, I need to thank you for that meal. We get so used to having bread, food, it doesn't affect us anymore. But if we were to go overseas today and go to kids that had Sam for breakfast this morning, if we brought a loaf of bread to them, they'd literally kill each other over it. Do you understand the mentality? God says, you have seen me work so much that you have become numb. Do you not understand who I am? Do you not comprehend? Verse 18, do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for 5,000. That's 5,000 men. 25,000 probably total. Counting women and children. Some even go as high as 30,000. How many baskets full of leftovers did you collect? He asked them. Twelve, they said. When I broke seven loaves for 4,000 people. How many did you have left over? Seven, they said. Go to the piano. I'm closing. And he said to them, Don't you understand yet are you ready for it if I could feed thousands of people 
with a few loaves of bread. Don't you think I can feed 13 of us with one loaf of bread? You do the math. Do you not get it yet? Do you not understand? You better remember who it is you're serving, Peter. John, James, do you not know who I am? Don't you understand yet, children of God? Go ahead, Sandra, play. Let us learn from the ignorance and the doubt of the original 12 disciples today that I don't care what it is that you are going through or what you are facing. My question to you is the same as Jesus to his original 12. Don't you get it yet? Don't you understand yet? Can you not comprehend it yet? That your problem, regardless of what it is, is nothing to the God that you serve. Do you not get it yet? That if God has done it before, He's able to do it again. Trust Him with the loaf. He knows what to do. Let's stand. I got to quit. Holy Ghost, I thank you today. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your powerful word. I thank you for this series. I thank you for this scripture today. Open our eyes that they may see. Open our ears that they may hear. Let us beware of the leaven of Pharisees of Herod, worldliness. Help us to get out of arrogance. Help us to get confident in you, not in ourselves. Change who we are. Let us grab a hold to who you are. Let us grab a hold to what you're capable of. You're a God that can do anything but fail. Help us not to have hardened hearts. Help us not to get so used to seeing what you've done that we forget it, how easy we forget. I'm asking you to help us to remember today. Remember what you've done for us in the past. Help people in this building to remember who you are. Help them to remember when they didn't have food, but you gave it to them. When they didn't have money, but you supplied it. When they needed a healing and you gave it to them. Whatever it may be, when they didn't see a way out, you showed them a path and there was light at the end of the tunnel. They look back now and they can say, thank God the hand of God was at work. Let them remember that. Because there's going to come a day when they're going to need to trust you again. And their recollection of who you are is what's going to get them through it. These altars are open today. I'm done. I've preached. I'm finished. I'm complete. Sing it, Brian. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. Do you want to come talk to Jesus today? The altars are open if you do. The altars are open if you do. Obey the Spirit of the Lord. Hear what He's saying to you today.
never stop working. Oh, you never stop. You never stop. Put those never words up there, Jamin, if you could. Even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop. You never stop. You never stop. No, we never stop. You never stop. Sing it with us, sing it with us. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Lord, even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Sing it again. Even when I don't see it.
thank you today for your word. I thank you right now in Jesus' name. You're making a way. You're making a way. Even when I can't see it, and when my eyes are blurry, my vision is blurred because I'm listening to some voice other than you. When my ears, even though I have ears that can hear, sometimes I refuse to listen. Sometimes my hearing is muffled by other distractions, by other worldly things, again, by other voices. But Father, bring us back to you. Let us recognize who you are. And I'm praying in Jesus' name that you would help our memory. This spiritual amnesia that Satan is trying to bring against us, where he tells us how God doesn't care, God isn't there, all the lies that he just spurts out of his mouth, help us to realize that's exactly what they are. We will not forget who you are. We will not forget what you have done. We will not forget what you are going to do. Help us to trust you. You can do more with a loaf of bread than we can. You're going to take care of your children. That's the point in Jesus' name. All right. God bless you guys today. Attention to all men. Saturday, March 9th, barbecue and cornhole tournament starts at 5 p.m. You can see the sign-up sheet in the foyer for attendance and food. It's on the right-hand side. The first two pages are sign-up. The third page are things that you can bring. The deadline is obviously this Sunday. Also, on a note before you leave, I want you to pray for George Latour. George got a bad report this week with his cancer. It has progressed, and it doesn't look really good for him at all. So please say a special prayer for he and for Miranda and for their family as they go through this hard time that God would touch him. We know he's able. And uh, come back next week. The plan is that we're going to start a series entitled A Series of Miracles, and you do not want to miss that. It's going to go from next week all the way until we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Be blessed. Shake hands and be friends.